Hello world, hear the song that I'm singing. Come on, it's deep shit. Hello everyone, I'm Baron. You know that, and you know that I'm going to say that you know that. You know what? I'm not going to say my name anymore. Maybe I, I mean, maybe I'll still say it. But I'm just not going to be like, hey, it's me, Baron. Like, it's just like when I call my mom. I'm, I'm the only person that's me that calls her, but I just hate. Hey, it's me, because I, I, think, I think I've gotten a lot of voicemails in my life where someone says, hey, it's me, and then I can't tell who the fuck that person is because there's a lot of it's me's out there. Except when I call my mom, I, I know there's no other men my age calling her. At least I hope not. And if, and, if, and if that's happening, well, then shit, my mom's a player, you know, and I, you know, I can't, uh, can't deny her that from her life. Anyway, um... Thanks for listening again. Um, I am feeling that maybe I haven't said it enough or pushed enough for motherfuckers to leave reviews and ratings on iTunes. Um, We just got to get the word out there, I guess. I'm doing everything I can. I'm fucking horrible at promotion, honestly. I, I think of promotion as as a combination of luck and timing, and I constantly think it's bad timing, and I'm very unlucky. I never know when to tell people about things. I never know how to tell people about things. I have the avenues that I go down, the things that I use to promote, but I don't know if that's enough, and I don't know beyond that what it is I would have to do. Um, Regardless, just please tell people if you like the podcast. Spread it around, and I know some of you have because I've seen your tweets and I've seen some postings on the Book of Faces and stuff like that. So that's good. I know there's at least eight of you out there listening to it, and um, four of which are other people who have done the podcast. Um, so you know, just get get the word out. Let's 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 keep doing it. We're doing this. We're doing this independently, truly independent, with no uh, no backing from any sort of network of podcastness which I'm not sure will happen anytime soon, or if it'll ever happen. And if that happens, then I'm just going to have to stop doing it. It just sucks, <laughs> but I'll have to stop. It was a good experiment, blah, blah, blah. But let's not talk about that right now. Let's talk about death. <laughs> now that's a fucking transition. Um, let's not get dark. Let's get even darker. Um, today's episode is about death with Ms. Elizabeth Johnson. Um, Lisa? I meant to say Lisa. I think I said Lisa, but then I heard it and I was like, did I say a Z instead of an S? Whatever pronunciation. Um, Lisa Beth Johnson, Lady Bird J on Twitter, and I had a talk about death, a topic that she was really interested to talk about. And um, you know what? Um, this episode is not a bummer. So if you're like, oh, this is going to be a bummer, it's not. You know, I listened to it again. Obviously, I have to. And I also was in the conversation. And she has interesting things to say. She always has interesting things to say. Um, and, um, we, we had a good talk about the experience of death, but it's, it's, it's death from you being a person who's alive experiencing death, not, uh, not you being a dead person being like, ah, oh, this is what it's like. Cause, uh, that would be a hell of a podcast. If I can get an interview with someone who's on the verge of dying, then I think what they'd have to say would be really interesting. It would probably just be one long release of breath. Ugh. I think I just bummed myself out right there. <laughs> anyway, um, here's Lisa Beth. Did I smell like bacon? 
you do. You, I don't. You did say that, but you don't smell like bacon. But that's not a bad thing to smell like bacon. Or to not. Uh, no, um, not smelling like bacon is just whatevs. But smelling like bacon makes you think about bacon, <laughs> and there's there's not much that's better than bacon. Mm-hmm. There's like bacon, eventual cure for AIDS. Right. Bacon, eventual cure for cancer. Why aren't you thinking of actual happy things? Bacon. That's you don't think the eventual cures for those no, diseases no, no. are happy things? They are. Well, now I know where you stand, Lisa Beth. But they're also you're like Chick Fil A over here. I am like Chick Fil A. Do not <laughs> like the gays. <laughs> you don't like to be stared at. Um, G A Z E. Oh, thank you for that. Thank you for that. That sigh of disappointment that you just gave. No, me. that was me <sighs> getting it. Oh, I thought you were going like, ugh, really? We're stooping to that low of a standard on what humor You're is. You're just going to edit out everything except for me saying I do not like the gays and just put that on a loop over and over. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to start it. That's the thing. I listen to it and I figure out I figure out an end point. Okay. Okay? An end point, not an end point. An so end. speaking of cancer and AIDS. What? No, that's that's just... Is that a good segue? No, that's, that's a completely unnatural segue. Well, tell me about your last night. You watched There Will Be Blood for the first time. Mm-hmm. What did you think? I liked it. Okay, good uh, review. I liked it quite a bit. What, um, what did you like about it? Daniel Day-Lewis is probably the best human that's ever been oh, pushed the, out of a, the best of a vaginal human. cavity. Wow. That's, that's, that's a good review. Mm-hmm. Not Didn't really say anything about the movie. <laughs> just, just no, about. His, his acting is ridiculous. Oh, yes, he is a ridiculous Everyone's actor. acting is ridiculous. Did you catch Paul F. Tompkins? No. Yeah, he's in it. I did fall asleep at one point. It's at the beginning. Remember when he's when he, the first time that Daniel does his speech? Oh, in front of the crowd, and then he and leaves. they all freak out. Yeah, and then he walks out, and someone's like, "No, we need your business. We yeah, need your yeah. business." That's Paul F. Tompkins. Holy shit! <laughs> it's, you don't you don't notice it at first, but then you're like, "Oh shit!" Uh, anyway, that's neither hither nor thither. Daniel Day Lewis is someone once said to about him to me that he's the greatest overactor of our generation, which I agree with. When you think about it, he's going really over the top in everything that he does, but he does it so well mm-hmm. that you never doubt what he is doing. He well, he he kind of bullies himself. Uh, either 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 a role is written for him. Where he is just, you know, the focal point of the movie. Mm-hmm. Or he bullies himself into it, probably a combination of the two. But he cannot be in a movie and not be the thing that you're looking at. Well, but that's why he does one movie. He does like a movie every three years. A movie? A movie. <laughs> when you look at his IMDb, it's like 10 things. It's like, what? <laughs> 10 things? Because he like did, what was that movie he did? Uh, a Room with the View, I think. And then he took uh, 20 years off of film. It's like it's a room I, with a view. It's an old movie. It's either a room with a view or something. Uh, yeah, room with a view. Unbearable, unbearable lightness of being. He did my left foot. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong, but like he took a good ten year break from mm-hmm. movies. He did a movie. I think he got an Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. Then he didn't do movies for a decade because he was doing theater, nonstop theater in England. Well, I think th- this has nothing to do with what you just said. Okay, because I have one more Daniel Day-Lewis thing that I think... No, no, like. no. This has to do with Daniel Day-Lewis. Okay, go ahead. He... When you think about his role in uh, the Scorsese movie... Gangs of New York. Gangs of New York. And this role, it's kind of similar and it's bombast. Yeah. He's good at bombast. But they're so... But they're also very different types of personalities. 
they're different, but they're extremes. Mm-hmm. He goes to these extremes. So do you think that the next movie he's going to be in, he's going to be... He's Ooh. Abraham Lincoln in the next movie. He's oh, gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, that's what he's... He's already... There's already pictures but of him online. But he can't speak like that. He has to be kind of like soft-spoken and... Con- he's going to... Well, we'll see. Contemplative. We'll see what they decide. Because who is it? Is it Spielberg that's directing it? Is Spielberg's it? directing it. Yeah. And Sally Field is Mary Todd Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, I believe Sally Field. So it's like... We'll see how they decide Lincoln's supposed to be portrayed vocally. Mm-hmm. Right, since there's no evidence of how he spoke, except for just people saying, "Oh, he spoke like this." But that's what's so, and that's what's so amazing about Daniel Day Lewis, though, is that he, his, uh, his, uh, uh, his way of speaking and all the all the different roles that he's had. And Gangs in New York was very specific. And this one, uh, a friend of mine told me last night when we were watching it that uh, he was supposed to be channeling John. Oops, sorry, John Houston. Sorry to myself. Oh my God, he does sound exactly like John Houston. He sounds exactly like Did John Did I just Houston. blow your mizzle? You just blew my mizz. You just blizzled my mizzle. <laughs> um, oh, my God. You just blew my mind, Dick. Um, I don't do that. Mm-hmm, yeah. I can tell by the pause that you took. You're like, what? You started looking around shiftily. It's like in 16 Candles when she's like, I don't do that. And her friend goes, yeah, you do. Again, Another movie. You never another seen reference. I'm, I'm not. I, I wasn't. I didn't grow up a white woman. <laughs> like, like yourself. Neither did I. Okay, sure. Steve Martin joke over here. Um, what I'm was staring it? at him. So I know it's... you are. So when I was in England studying Shakespeare, you know, like a motherfucker, <laughs> there was a production of Hamlet that was happening at the Royal Shakespeare Company, <laughs> and it was uncut Hamlet, which is a four and a half hour play. Mm-hmm. Bless you, Katie. You all right? What's going on? Yeah, no, but are you going to sneeze again? Do you need something? you need a catheter for your nose? Oh, my God. <laughs> a natheter? That's nasty there. Um, so there was all this talk about Hamlet, and I personally didn't really like the production. It was it was so... The guy who played Hamlet was so self-serious, mm-hmm. which is, I don't think... I mean, Hamlet is serious, but he's kind of crazy. He's going crazy. Right. That's Mel Gibson was a really good Hamlet. Mel Gibson was a really good Hamlet. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very workable everyman textbook Hamlet that Mel Gibson did mm-hmm. in that Hamlet movie. Franco, and he brought his banana Franco boat. Zeffrelli. He brought his banana boat to it too. His craziness. Oh, oh his banana Bananas. boat. I thought you were talking about like a cod piece or his something. His penis. He brought his penis. <laughs> he brought the boat that he puts around his banana to the roll. Um so we were in some class and the in the and our teacher was like, I'll tell you who the Hamlet of Hamlet of Hamlet was. We're like, okay, who's like Daniel Day Lewis? We're like, what? So apparently he did it in England, mm-hmm. right after his father really died. Oh man! And he's like, I'm gonna do Hamlet because I got this inside me. Mm-hmm. And he went a little insane. Apparently, the legend goes he came out one night for his first speech, and there was a man in the front row who looked exactly like his father. Mm-hmm. And then he had this moment where he said, "I'm sorry, I can't do this." Mm-hmm. And then he walked off the stage and checked into a mental institution for a couple of months. And his understudy finished the role, and he his understudy got a great career because of that. Who was his understudy? Ray Fiennes. What? Daniel Day Lewis. And when you think about their faces, yeah, it's yeah. a similar face. Ray Fiennes could easily understudy Daniel Day Lewis. Mm-hmm. And Daniel Day Lewis was like a huge star already. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I can't, I can't do this. I, I feel like he's, he's Irish, isn't he? Irish doesn't matter. Um. He won. Well, wasn't my left foot one of his first roles? And he won a. It wasn't one of his first roles. Room with the View was. 
That's why I brought that up. One of the first means it could be two. Okay. I'm, this is why I'm going to... I, I feel like I'm going to IMDb so much now. Oh, my God. It's just becoming an IMDb addiction. You know what I'm Can talking about? Can your New Year's resolution be to shut it? I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't either. <laughs> wow. Thanks. You just wanted to... All right. Here we go. Boop, boop, boop. The first... Okay. He's He's got some... TV stuff down here. Law and Order SUV. Gandhi. He was in Gandhi in 1985. Colin. He was in Gandhi. Yeah, he had. A, I guess he had a small part. Um, the Bounty. That's some movie I never heard of, which he was not the star of. It was Mel Gibson and Anthony Hopkins. I think Ben Kingsley is like one of his idols then. Probably because that's they have like a similar kind of. Here you go. A Room with the View, 1985. When was my left foot? My left foot was okay. Unbearable lightness of being, nineteen eighty eight. Oh, he did my left foot after the unbearable lightness of being. Yes, he did, which was nineteen eighty nine. Okay. So, room with the view was uh, four years before that, and then right after that, he did Last of Mohicans, then Age of Innocence, Name of the Father, Three Years Off, Crucible, Boxer, Five Years Off, Gangs in New York, Three Years Off, Ballad of Jack and Rose, Two oh, Years. Oh yeah, did you see that movie? No, Two Years. Mind. There will be blood. Two Years. Nine. Three Years Lincoln. What's Nine? Nine, the musical. It's a musical. Sing it. Um, sing the entire musical of Nine. That's a horrible idea. Sing one. I can't think of any of the songs from Nine. It is. It was a movie called Eight and a Half, which is a um, Italian film. Mm-hmm. Fellini? Yes, it's Fellini. It's the musical version of that movie. Why they call it Nine? Because the, he's, instead of him being Eight and a Half... Instead of it, they call it nine because I guess that's it's a reference to an age, which I believe is true in the movie. Also, that he was eight and a half when a certain certain things happened that that molded him as the man he is today. Like death, not death, just certain his issues with women. He's got women issues, <laughs> woman issues, and it's a very successful Broadway play. Did not work as a movie because mm-hmm. the, it's a movie about a guy with writer's block. Right. Trying to find inspiration going through his head of all the women that have influenced him uh, for who he is. And in the movie was Nicole Kidman and Marion Cotillard and um, Penelope Cruz and Daniel Day-Lewis with a Italian accent. Did he do well? He, he, he was good in it. He was Daniel Day-Lewis, but it was like just not a good movie. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's so it's totally whatevs. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. You mm-hmm. know, it's like sweats, whatever. Anyway, speaking of Daniel Day Lewis, because this conversation needs to die. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very subtle Fran Drescher. Oh, laugh for you. That's that's you just I did. think that's the second time you've said something like that. Well, it was it was a kind of a it was like a laugh you didn't want to let out, so mm. it got stuck in your nose on the way. I didn't want to start it. You didn't want to start it. Mm-mm. I don't know why. I didn't want to finish or start it. Okay, well, we have a topic (laughs) that is of your choosing that you're so excited about. I'm super excited about it. What is that topic? And tell me what it is. It is death. Death, meaning what about death? Meaning, what do you mean, what about death? What about death? uh, Obviously, we all die, but what, what, what about death is it that you're interested in? What is there to not be interested in about death? I mean... That's such a a cop-out. You know? (laughs) We'll continue. Um, Death is something that happens to us all. I feel like I'm reciting a line from The Meaning of Life. Maybe. Um, 
Actually, one of the first movies that I saw that I can remember is The Meaning of Life. Yeah, and that taught you about death? I think it did teach me about death. What's the? Do you remember what the first drama was that you saw that kind of blew your mind? Because I, I remember mine because okay. I was too young to see it, and it changed like everything for me. this is about to be a story for you. No, it's, it is a story for me, but I want What the first drama, what does that have to do with death? Does it? Well, the first one that I ever saw taught me about death, taught me a lot about death. The meaning of life isn't a drama, though. It's comedy. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. Um, 48 hours. Oh, okay. Totally makes sense. Someone has 48 hours before they die. Anyway, death. Mm-hmm. Go. LBJ. <clears throat> so, are you a Christian? Um, no. Do you believe in God? I struggle with it. And I think that's the point, bro. <laughs> Do you believe that there is an afterlife? Mm, no. You don't? No. I don't believe that there's an afterlife in the way that Christians might believe that there's an afterlife. Okay. So you do not believe in heaven or hell? It it also depends on what you mean by heaven or hell. And I believe that most Christians have misread the Bible Mm -hmm. (laughs) for what they believe is heaven and hell because everyone's not going to heaven. There's a number in the Bible that says 144,000 people are going to heaven. Mm -hmm. 12,000 from the 12 tribes of Israel. Mm-hmm. But everyone's like, ah, heaven. What we think of heaven is supposed to be the paradise earth. <laughs> okay. And then hell's a whole different thing. Which you do or do not believe in? Um, again, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I don't believe in it. I'll say I don't. Continue. So you think that when we die, mm-hmm. the worms go in, the worms go out? Food for, food for worms, right? That's Hamlet right there. See how I bring it around? Yeah, you did bring it around, like an LL Cool J song. I'd be looking at a skull right now, right? No, Eric. Um, I, I, I don't believe, I mean, I guess I believe in that when energy is created, it can't be destroyed, it can only be changed, mm-hmm. right? So when we die, we become different, but it's not the end. It's just the end of a phase of your existence, which is the one where you were alive, Mm-hmm. But now you're a tree or something. I don't know. And that spark of the thing that makes you a living being that you consider you. Mm-hmm. What happens to that? Again, it depends on who you ask. I I don't know. I am asking someone very in particular, though. I know, but I was going. I'm thinking of the different things that I've heard about that mm-hmm. that I've never really decided mm-hmm. because it. Um, not necessarily that it doesn't interest me, but. I don't know that there's a real answer. Um, so I've just always kind of flirted with all the different answers. Have you ever thought about reincarnation? Of course. Do you believe that it could be possible? Sure. I, I, that's the thing. I believe all of them could be possible. There could be a God, you know, and he could be, it could be a he, it could be a she. Mm-hmm. It's probably a genderless totally politically correct god Mm -hmm. i I would believe that god doesn't have a gender because it doesn't need one right um do you believe there is an actual being there there could be there could be a being i'm just asking what you believe though i don't know is what i'm saying so you're very agnostic in that sense in that sense yeah i guess you could say i'm agnostic but then every night there's times where i just don't believe it where I'm just like, that's impossible, and then I just move on to my day. And then there's times where I, I, mean, where I do think about it and think, oh, that's, that could be a thing. I start trying to justify it to myself, like, if, if that was true, it means that this, this, and this, and this. Mm-hmm. But then I change it around, and 
think about some other completely different philosophy of how it could be. Yeah. But what are you getting at? I'm not. I'm not. I'm just. I'm. Oh. I'm. I'm turning the tables. Is what I'm doing. Oh, no. okay. No, no, no. I'm just getting a feel for how you. For some reason, I was thinking that you were more Christian. I was raised Christian. Right. I was raised Southern Baptist. Mm-hmm. And um, I I liked church, but I liked it for the theatricality of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that everyone there cared so much that it was there was an energy that was undeniable. It's a black church. Right. You know? Um, but when we moved to Vegas, we stopped going to church. You know, we moved to Sin City and we started sending us... Fast right. as we could. Do you think there are more or less churches in Vegas per capita? More. Because there's a lot of Mormons. A lot of Mormons oh, yeah. in Vegas. Yeah. So there's a lot of churches. Sometimes they're across the street from each other. Actually just drove by two churches across the street. They kind of run the gambling thing, don't they? Mormons? No. I just watch Big Love too much. <laughs> Oops, sorry. I've never interacted with a Mormon that was involved in gambling. Mm. Maybe worked at a casino, but nothing... Nothing like uh, high up, like, yeah, we're going to put all this money in our, our Mormon fund. <laughs> we call it the tabernacle. There's a choir, too. That evil Mormon the voice. Mormon, the Mormon. your evil Mormon. Yeah. I, so um, I've never really met an evil Mormon, <laughs> I guess you could say. <laughs> um, okay. All right. So I was a little bit wrong about that, but that's good. Now I have an idea of what you think. Have you ever seen someone die? seen someone die Mm -hmm. no i've seen a dead person but i've never witnessed life leaving a being have you when you did see a person who was dead Mm -hmm. was it like an open casket situation yes yeah yes um it was my great-grandmother who was very high up in that church Mm -hmm. um and uh i i remember it because it's she's the only person that i have seen dead that i really cared about my grandmother passed away a couple years ago Mm -hmm. but for some weird financial time crunch bullshit that i still don't understand i asked do not cremate her before i get to see her again Mm -hmm. and they were like oh we had to cremate her sorry bro this is my family yeah and i was like um okay whatever uh, so I didn't get to see her Yeah. Uh, when she was uh, dead. My sisters did because <laughs> they discovered her body. What had she, did she die of? Heart attack. Okay. She lived by herself. Mm-hmm. She came over to my parents' house every every day. She, am I correct in saying that she had a very large hand in raising you? Yeah, because when we moved to Vegas, it was me, my mom, and my grandma. Yeah. And my, me and my grandmother showed, shared a room till I was 18. Yeah. Then I went to college. You did not get laid. No, I no, I didn't bring anybody over ever. What are you talking about? <laughs> Close your eyes, Grandma. Yeah, no, I uh, I uh, luckily went to their houses, um, and all of all of the beginning of my sex was someone's in the other room, and it's your mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't. I didn't even have sex on a car until I was like an adult. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um. So, yeah, it was because it was in middle school, and I slept on the floor. There was one bed, and I slept on the floor. My grandmother had the bed. I slept on the floor for three years, and then... What sort of... What do you mean on the floor? Did you have, like, an air mattress? No, the floor. Like a pallet? Like a sleeping bag? A blanket on the floor. You slept on a blanket on the floor? On the floor, yes. I put a blanket on the floor. I was on that blanket, and then I had another blanket. 
That's where I slept. I preferred the floor because they wanted. I, I think there was something about putting something down, but the floor was. I don't know. I liked the firmness of the floor, mm-hmm. so I slept on the floor. Well, that was a choice you made. Well, it was a choice because uh, the other choices we didn't have anything else to put down there, mm-hmm. um, and to buy something, I was thinking, well, we can't really afford to buy an okay. air mattress or something right, like right. that. There's not really enough, enough space mm-hmm. also in the room. So, but what ended up happening is as we got rid of that bed and my grandmother bought a, uh, a bunk bed, you know, cause I was uh, classy. So but I you shared a bunk bed with your grandmother? With my grandmother for four years. That's precious. Yes. Um, I had it, I had it to myself for a year actually, because there was a top and a bottom bunk and the bottom bed was like full size and the top size, the top bed, the bottom bunk was full bed and the top one was a twin. Mm-hmm. So it took a while to get a full mattress mm-hmm. for some reason. So when we got it, I just slept in the room by myself. My grandmother slept on the couch in the living room. Mm-hmm. And then we got a mattress and she moved into the room. So you guys were close. Yes. You spent a lot of time in the same room together. Very A lot of time. Yes. Uh, amazingly influential on me. Once you both... I'm picturing this because it's really cute. Once you both were like in the bunk bed, sleeping in the bunk bed... Were you both like reading and she would be like knock on the top of the bed part and be like, hey, Baron, you should check out this comic book and then like throw it up to you? (laughs) Never. That never happened (laughs) uh, because we had a television and cable because my grandmother loved television. Mm -hmm. So she's the reason I grew up with cable and multiple televisions because she would had them in different rooms with different VCRs Mm -hmm. so she could tape everything she wanted to watch and always had a stack of VHS tapes of all the past shows. Like TiVo was for her. Right. She didn't make it to TiVo being invented. How how long ago was this that she died? Oh, six. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, And I remember when when Obama was, when he became the president, I was with my roommate in in New York and I was like, oh, I wish my grandmother was, was here to see that we have a black president and I own my own television. She would be way more excited and about the, the television. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, did we have DVR yet? I don't think we did. Maybe, maybe we did. Um, but so that basically she always spent most of her time doing two things like uh, watching these videos, these VHS tapes and counting change. So when I was in my bunk, Mm-hmm. On my headphones for my little CD, my first CD player that she bought me when I was in eighth grade with my one album, Digital Underground's Sex Packets, the first CD I ever bought, High Five from uh, Lisa Beth Johnson. My brother had that tape. It's, you know what I listened to it recently? It's still good. It's still good. It's still, it's still it's good. It's dirty as fuck. It's not that dirty. It's just it it's was a concept album. Well, plus my brother would walk around quoting it, you know. So. It's not dirty. I mean, it wasn't like two live crew. No, no, they no, weren't, they weren't like, it, they were talking about sex, but there was. They no one ever cussed. Now that I think about it, there's no cussing in the entire album. Not even in. Nope. All right then. No one's like, I don't give a fuck, and that never happened in Digital Underground. Mm-hmm. They they talked about sex, mm-hmm. but it was always in the it was the dirtiness was in the imagery that they used, but they never like said, "fucking a bitch until the eye turns blue." You know. Does that happen? Yeah, because you come in her eye. So. Um, so death. So death. <laughs> Speaking you know, they call orgasms a tiny death. The little death. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, little, not tiny, sorry. My point is is that my grandmother had a heart attack and she didn't come to my house. I was already in New York by that time. Um, 
And uh, my mother called me, my grandmother, my mom, my mom called me and said, uh, JJ's dead. So I called her JJ because she didn't like grandma. Mm. She said, it's either grandmother or JJ. Mm-hmm. And I was five. So I'm like, less syllables it is. Um, but they found her body. They, you know, my, my mom said the way when they walked in the when they walked into her apartment, that she felt she felt it. Mm-hmm. So she said to my sisters, "Check the floors, right?" And they found her in the bathroom. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, you know what? I fell. I you fell. Did? I was in my apartment in Queens with my friend. We we're about to watch a movie that she had never seen. And I was like, I can't believe you. Oh, you know what it was? The Last Dragon. Mm. And I was like, I can't believe you're black and you've never seen The Last Dragon. <laughs> so I was going to show her this. I was like, you come over to my place. We're set a time. You're going to watch The Last Dragon. And I got this call from my mom. And I was sitting on my bed. And I, I literally fell. Mm-hmm. When she said, JJ is dead, I fell to the ground. Was she crying? Who? Your mother? No. We didn't shed a lot of tears, actually. Mm-hmm. Because, and we talked about this, is, I don't know if you know my mother is a recovering alcoholic. No. Well, she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has been sober for a really long time, luckily like 11 years. And uh, she got sober when I was in college. Mm-hmm. And during that time, there was so much hashing out yeah. of the past and apologies and dealing with that shit that there was a lot of Everything felt said. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of expression of gratitude and appreciation for each other. Mm-hmm. And that trickled up, of course, to my grandmother, who was extremely present in both of our lives. You know, So I never felt, I didn't feel this, oh, I never got to tell her how I felt. I never got to say, you know, which a lot of people do. Uh, was she, how old was she, by the way? Um, 66. That's too young. She's young, but she smoked since she was 11. Yeah. She had a heart attack, and honestly, if she didn't live alone, she would have survived. Mm-hmm. But she had a heart attack and was there for like nine hours or something. Wow. According to the coroner. Yeah. That is sad. <laughs> Maybe. I think it's sad. Okay. I, think it's, I, I see a happy element too, but that's kind of one of my points about death is mm-hmm. that I think inevitably... It, it it should be neither happy or sad, even though I just said that sad. I meant the story sad. But well, I guess the sadness <laughs> is then how you deal with it in a sort of a way, or how long yeah, it, the, how long it takes you to process it, or if you dwell on it. Yeah, the projection of feelings always just for leftover for the people who knew them and however they deal with it. But um, I think it's just in a it should you should if you think about it if you think about it in a healthy way it should be just an event. Mm-hmm. The sadness is that, you know, of course, you don't get to see that person anymore. That's literally the only thing that should be said about death. Other, the, the irreparable trauma, they call it. Yes, unless the death is particularly traumatic, you know, then... Well, see, that's the other thing, is that my grandmother's death was sudden. Right. So we had no expectation of it. Mm-hmm. And I've had friends that had to watch family members deteriorate over a, 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 a while, like years, watch them lose their faculties and mm-hmm. die. And that sounds awful. Yeah. So I'm lucky. I feel like lucky that my grandmother just was like, boom, gone. I didn't have to deal with like watching her in a hospital and all that stuff, mm-hmm. but as you were saying. Uh, I had an aunt who had AIDS. and Oh, my goodness. Stead on bump. Speaking no. of which. Um, and uh, she contracted, I don't remember, it was like in the early 90s, 90, 
two or something, and she lived with it for probably like five years. But that was a weird, uh, that was a weird death to be, you know, close to. How so? Because you know, the second you hear about it, in some ways, your brain's just like, "Oh, this person's dead already." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mentally, in no way was it's a, she. It's a, it's a, it's a clock. Right. It's a ticking clock. Right. Like you know, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. And even in, in even in a different way than cancer, because there's there's no chemo, you know. Yeah, you can only treat AIDS to elongate your life, but yeah, my uncle still has it. He is still alive. Has AIDS? Yes. Oh, so they contracted it together? Yeah, it was one of those situations where they contracted it after their marriage, or they found out that one of them had contracted it after they got married. Mm-hmm. He got really sick with pneumonia. Mm. He almost died, and then they realized that it was that, and then she got tested, and they realized that she had it as well, and they never bothered to have, because you can't know, you know, how you get these things, or who had it first, or anything of that. Right. Especially because it's something that they just didn't know they had. Right. So there's like all sorts of ways that they could have contracted And even it. more so than any other STD, you know, AIDS can lie dormant, you know, or, you know, HIV can lie dormant. Um, for quite a while, for years, before it, you know, comes up. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's real scary. Um, <laughs> it's, it's scary, yeah. No, yeah, but that that was that was a weird thing to watch because she had, and you know, initially she was fine for you. She was fine. She would go and get treatment. She, you know, put herself in every single sort of experimental, you know, uh, thing that any doctor had mm-hmm. for treating AIDS and. Uh, and then, you know, it's a lot harder for women to deal with it because they have the vaginas and the vaginas have tendencies to get infections and, you know, a lot more can happen to a woman, um, infection wise than men. I don't know if you, do you realize that? Yes. Okay. Um, (laughs) that's when, when, when women sleep with men, that is the case. And, and just in general. Well, I feel like, uh, and we'd have to look this up, but I've been told that lesbians who've never been with men, the there's a, a really, really low rate of infections. Yeah. That that uh, penis is a disease stick. So It is. I'm glad it I is. have one. It's a gross, crusty disease stick. Oh, I used to say crusty. I'm just That's I'm my just... favorite clown. <laughs> you ruined him. Um, as you were saying. So then when she finally put the uh like the last year she was alive, it, it really fell off. You know, she precipitated really quickly, and uh, and it was a weird thing to watch. Like she would ask my mother how her Spanish classes were going. My mom took Spanish in college, you know. Oh, and so you know, it was it was sort of like watching someone with like Alzheimer's or cancer in a way. Hmm. Just that it if it was the fatigue or if there was actually some sort of. Uh, issue going on with her memory loss. I don't know, but you know, just the decline. Watching people in the decline is difficult. Yeah, and then it makes you think about death a lot, right? Yes, yes. It makes you figure out how the hell you're supposed to deal with this. But I, that was, actually wasn't the death. I was, I think I was 21 when that happened. But the death that, 21 or 22, the death that actually affected me the most was my grandmother's. Okay. And she died somewhat suddenly of cancer she got it and through over a year's time uh thought it was like 
uh, I think it was uterus. Thought they had gotten it. And then she was somewhere with my grandfather and was walking and then she just collapsed and they brought her back home and she had, it had, it was everywhere. I still to this day don't really understand if someone didn't tell the family correctly or tell them, tell them what correctly, tell them that how extensive it was or if they didn't, the person who they told in the family Mm -hmm. didn't tell everyone else. It just seemed kind of weird that. There was, usually, but there was still miscommunication. Yeah, that there was some sort of miscommunication about the severity of it. But yeah, she was brought back to hospice and uh, at her house. And then I stayed in the house with her and several other family members for a couple days. And I stayed up like at, at night with her, you know, a woman who was dying. Listened to like her labored breathing at 18. Ugh. And, uh, and I was like I was super intense about taking care of her. Like I even like tweezed her eyebrows and I was like, you know, rubbing lotion into her hands and feet and brushing her hair. She was kind of vain. I was like, she probably wants to look pretty tight while she's in a coma. Dying right, cancer. right. Yeah. So you, so you knew that she, you, you just figured that maybe she would, these would be things that she would enjoy slash like. Right, right, right. She would not, you know, she would not want a straight eyebrow hair. Um... <laughs> So, uh, it's so the night that, or the morning that she died, that previous night, I was up with her again that night. Um, and it was, a, it, I don't know if you've ever listened to someone with cancer in their final stages, but it's like, no. it's really labored breathing and it's difficult to hear. And Is there's the, uh, as they say, the death rattle. Yeah. And then there's moments where like the, the breathing gets farther apart and then you start you know, if you're up all night and you're an 18 year old, you're like, oh God. And then she starts breathing again and, you know, so right. that was rough. So I had stayed up all night and done that. And and then uh, my mom woke up and she's like, why don't you go sleep for a little while? So I did. And I went into the room that was uh, parallel to her bed in the other room and left the door open mm-hmm. so I could sort of look over at her. And I fell asleep for like an hour and I woke up and I looked over. And my mom and my uncle were over her bed, and they were both crying, and she had died, like, in the hour that I went to sleep. And I was so pissed. <laughs> I would I would assume so. It's a weird thing to be pissed about, but I was like, God. Well, what, Not that what, I particularly... What were you pissed about, though? Like, that you just, like, you felt like you lost... I earned... No, I'm k- totally kidding. That's not what I thought. It was. I was just like... I wasn't angry at... For, I'm sort of kidding about that but i was just like god i had you know that was either really sweet or really weird or it's because what? because that sh- that not that you can choose to die but i sort of think you can i mean she was totally on drugs and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh but it just was kind of w- weirdly ironic that you know she died while i was asleep while i wasn't there hmm. and they lived out in the country, so it took like a, an hour or two for the hospice people to come out. And I sat with her after that as well. So I sat with her body. For how long? Hour? Couple hours. Couple hours. <laughs> wow. And what did you do when you sat with her body? Like, what did you do? Did you just look at her or hold her hand? or? Yeah, I looked at her for a little bit. And then someone said, like, we have a home movie in the other room of your grandmother. And you should remember her that way. And I, but I didn't need that mm-hmm. in particular. Like I remember her alive, and 
I have this other memory too. It's a complete memory, and if I you think, will, a full memory. Yeah, and I think that's something that we miss now. What's that? Sitting with our dead. Did, was that a thing? Yeah, it used to be a thing. You sat with your dead. You used to have. You used to lay the dead out, and you know it was like an open casket casket situation. You know, you dress them up. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then people, family members, friends, relatives, come by and yeah, yeah would come by and pay respects and yeah. But you you acknowledge that this is something that have happened that's happened right in a, in, a, in a I guess in a sort of a public way. Yeah, and it's not scrubbed clean the way you know, like an open casket situation is because I mean. Both I've seen. I've seen also in addition to those two deaths I talked about, but, uh, two grandparents in an open casket situation, and that always seems a little weird to me because they don't quite look right, you know. Don't look right in what way? Like well, just because they've been made up? And, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because their body's been drained of all its fluid and artificial fluid so, put in, and then yeah, it's such a weird get makeup on their face. That's and what, that's I mean, when I saw my great grandmother, that's what I I remember was. Obviously, it didn't look like her because she's not alive. Mm-hmm. So the spark that makes a person a person was gone, obviously. But then, yeah, it was just like, it was such a weird, like, why are we, I remember thinking, like, why are we doing this? <laughs> like, yeah. I wanted to see her, but then I was like, but it's not her. I want to see her more like she was. Yeah. When my when my aunt also had an open casket, the one that died of AIDS, and that was actually a really good thing mm-hmm. uh, not that the other two were bad but they were just kind of weird to see grandparents you know in an open casket you know well how, how old was your were your aunt was your aunt she was i think when she died she was in her early 40s i mean maybe that's the difference well yeah she was because young. yeah and she had you know she had really it really you know when someone dies of aids dies of aids and, they deteriorate yeah right uh so in the open casket situation, she had, you know, her cheeks were pink, her hair, they'd done something with her hair that made her look healthy and young. Oh. And like pre, you know, pre HIV, you know, aunt and. Maybe it's a matter of uh, the undertakers or the, what are they, I don't even know what they're called. Undertakers. Is it an undertaker? Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's a matter of the skull. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe we've had. So we've dealt with some ones who weren't artists. Well, no. Well, maybe. Like the great Showtime TV no show. No one ever looked bad. I never looked at any of my relatives and was like, eee, I would have done, I would have used a different color lipstick, No one looks bad, but some, but some people look good. Yeah. Like, like, oh, that does look like how he looked. Right. It was good to see, a, what I'm saying is it was really good to see a person who had degenerated to such a point. Like, Makes they look, kind of turned mm. the clock back in some way, and that was, that was healing in, in a way. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, sitting with a dead person, I think, changed me a lot as a, especially at, at eighteen. Because, uh, because really, no, no one that I'd known had ever done something like that. Sat with a dead person. Yeah. At very few, you know, there are not many people who know people who have died at eighteen. Yeah, yeah. So then, like, you had a, you had a very specific experience uh, lost someone that was close to you and no one else you knew had really done that in that sort of way right people probably had lost relatives but like not in their presence and it cut in a way it made me not fear death as much Mm. Uh, for a couple years after i did have panic attacks about 
I had anxiety and panic attacks about some things, like overpopulation and and death in general. I don't know. That's maybe you're looking at me. No, I'm just I'm just you always think I'm looking at you with the most with such judgment. But I always think you're looking at me with such judgment. Mm. We got to get over this. We do. We got to we got to axe this. Print. We need to do a trust fall probably. <laughs> no, I'll drop you. Just for fun? Yeah, this would be awesome. You'd be like, nah, my butt. My coccyx. Coccyx? Whichever. Some people say coccyx. Some people say coccyx. My coccyx. I keep a coccyx under. Never mind. A Russian. Isn't it a coccyx? I don't know. C-O-C-C-Y-X. No, no, no. You're, I, I'm joking because the way you say it, it sounds like coccyx. Oh, Cossack, like you're a Cossack? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's ridiculous. That's for Donkey Kong. How dare you? <laughs> How dare um, I play with words? Goodness. No, I know. <sighs> you playing with words and stuff. Um, words are not to be played with, except for the word play. Yes. So I started to see death as something that no, was... No, I was going to come back to this. That, good. That was actually something that was beautiful, too. <laughs> you thought I was just going to sit here and yeah. do, do that? <laughs> Talk about Cossacks. Not, not let you the continue the story minutes. at yeah. all? Yeah. Thank you. We're done with death, by that, the way. We just, we, you know what? That was a metaphorical trust fall, and, mm-hmm. and you let me drop. Yeah, you let me drop. Anyway, continue what you're saying. It changed. It, it didn't make you fear death, and you felt it, you had a unique experience. Experience. A unique experience compared to everyone else you knew your age. Yeah. Right? And that you not, not had only lost a, a lost one, lost a loved one, but sat with the body mm-hmm. and kind of made a peace with it. Yeah, and it was different from, say, like, if there was anyone in high school that you knew of who, like, lost a friend in a car wreck or an overdose or something like that. Like you say, it it it, it took, it demystified a lot of death for me. A lot of, a lot of the elements of death for me. Like? What are those elements? Well, when you have, just fear of the unknown. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. What, like, what happens? What does it look like? What is, how does, what is... Do you see the spark? Anyone's spark go out of them? You know, do you, what are they like after death? Is it cold? Like, is it, is that terrifying? You know? Yeah. Okay. And, uh, she did get cold and she did get rigid and I still kind of touched her. And How did you touch her? You just did like a, like a finger. Like I would like hold her poke, hand. Yeah, I did. I poking, did like, like a weird poked thing. her in the cheek. Yeah. Like, oh, like, oh. Hey, Grandma. <laughs> no. It would seem like the worst possible thing to do. No, I like hold her hand and I was like, wow, this is weird. Flesh is, this is a weird temperature for flesh to be at. Mm, okay. This does not feel the same as alive flesh. I feel like most people would be really not, would have the ax, the opposite experience. If they, if I feel like most people, if they did what you did, would be like, just feel really grossed out about it. You, you kind of, you, you went head on. Mm-hmm. And courted those feelings. She was. She was always the reason that I was so close to her. Partially, is because like she didn't really have like any negative boundaries, you know, in any way. Like she, she got to get out of the shower and just like walk around naked and then put a towel on or whatever. We, she and I would sleep in the same bed, you know, when we were traveling. And, <laughs> and she, I'm sorry, those. I don't think those things are the same. Like, like uh, we slept in the same bed is not that. Strange. I was but I just a child. Like that, that was the exact. Oh, okay. Well, I was how, a child. Okay. Like she died when I was eighteen. I grew up like I grew up. The, the walking around physically close to her, and okay. like like she was a mother. Well, the walking around naked is like okay. That's that's. I'm not saying she walked around naked, but like no, she, she got, got a, a shower. She, she got was a comfortable. Shower. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying the sleeping in the same bed one doesn't seem like it's as 
as as high, I guess, on the scale as she would just be naked when she got out of a shower mm-hmm. and be like, oh, give me my towel. Well, she's one of those grandmas who's just like, you know, there's no... Some grandmothers are physically distant, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit. I don't know if you experience this. Well, I'm, I'm going to come with you on this metaphor. Okay. And... And then Metaphor, some, comparison. some it's it's just like your mother or just like if you're a very physical family, like you're close, you kiss cheeks, you right, spank right. each other's butt, you know, if you're. It sounds, sounds very Texan. Uh, well, they were Yankees, but we were wow. in Texas every at time the I time. T- every time I say that sounds so Texan, you're like, nope, they were Yankees. No, all my family are Yankees. I just, I'm. You still refer to them as Yankees, which couldn't be more Texan. Well, that's funny because uh, first time I saw Gone with the Wind, I was probably like five and there's this scene where. You know, the camera pans out and there's all of these dead Confederate soldiers. There's all these dead Confederate soldiers and I was like five and I started crying because it was kind of a a sad scene. Mm -hmm. And I had known that those soldiers were dead because the Yankees killed them. That was all I knew. And, you know, in my child brain, Uh I was trying to process all the politics going on. Yeah, yeah. And I knew that my parents had told me that my grandmother and grandfather were from new york and so they were also yankees they jokingly referred to them as yankees which is what i'm doing so in so your brain, i started crying that- even harder i was like oh my god my grandma and grandpa killed took part <laughs> oh. in killing all of those poor confederate soldiers <laughs> that is incredible <laughs> and my pa- I, I kind of expressed that that in five some sort of five-year-old way to my parents and they just laughed they thought it was the most hilarious thing then of oh. course they told me the appropriate response. So there's many yeah. Yankees. Yeah. There's the New York Yankees. <laughs> there's a doodle dandy. There's a other thing. Uh, there's Daddy Yankee. He's not even white. You know who Daddy Yankee is? No. He's a he's a reggaeton recording artist. Mm. That is really inconsequential. Anyway, yeah. as we were saying. So that was the grandmother. So anyways, yes. So she was like she was like a. Yeah, mine was not physically close. She wasn't very physical. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, she grew up in a different. Uh, we we talked once about her brother because of a different death story, which maybe we'll get to. Um, and she was. I was trying to get a sense of her, who he was and what her relationship was with him and their father, mm-hmm. my great grandfather, whom I knew. Um, and uh, she, she said there was a lot of there was not a lot of expression of feelings. You know, you never really told someone. You just assumed you knew you were supposed to know that you were loved. But there was no hugging, no, you know, no kissing, no, you know, every now and then you maybe get a pat on the back. Mm. But like, and I was like, hmm, that's really interesting because that's like the opposite of me. Yeah. Um, I've I've been accused of being touchy-feely in so many ways. Yeah, yeah, me too. But anyway, as you were saying, your grandmother. No, no, it's totally... That's totally valid. Uh, I became I did become really sensitive to afterwards, and still kind of am in some ways to death scenes in movies. How so? Especially if they're made light of. Like uh, I saw Pulp Fiction not too much after my grandmother died, mm-hmm. and there's a scene where they accidentally shoot that guy's head. Oh in the back yeah, seat. yeah, yeah. And everyone Phil Lamar, I think. And everyone in the audience laughed, kind of uncomfortably, because that is a human reaction which yeah. i understand now but at the time i was really sensitive they didn't laugh because it was funny they laughed because it was insane that, that yeah. it just happened yeah but i i out loud was yelled oh i'm sorry is this funny or is, is this really funny to everyone 
because it that it, is the most amazing way to is this funny <laughs> i don't remember what i said but it was just but you were annoyed like, it was i was like oh okay that's funny the, someone just died that's funny hmm. okay so it, it it made me really sensitive to how death was portrayed you know at large mm-hmm. also because i just had this experience that was kind of like horrifying but beautiful and you know very meaningful well, what's the what do you, do you see a commonality in how death is portrayed that you're like mm, about because you said you've been sensitive to this thing right because mm-hmm. i feel like mm, that's all people know of death unless they've actually experienced it is seeing it portrayed right whether usually in a movie or a television show um sometimes people read <laughs> it's rarer <laughs> these days um but that is people's first impression of death. Of death. So it's like it kind of gives you the rules of how you're supposed to deal with a death when that happens. But it doesn't necessarily mean they're real. Right. They're just that's what happened in this particular movie, this particular story. But people I think take it as like, oh, when a death happens, I should do this, this and this as it happened in this thing I just saw. Now I know. I think that's an issue I have with Quentin Tarantino also kind of in general. I so basically this last night, just like I wonder, I always wonder, has he seen, has he ever actually seen someone die? And I wonder this, I wonder this about people who do, I wonder about filmmakers when I watch movies and their death scenes, like what they themselves have seen. What, 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 but what, why, why? You think they're not, it's not, you, you don't like it portrayed lightly, you're saying. I, I don't really put that much of a value judgment on it. Well, you're talking I'm, about I'm an, I'm an adult human. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm an adult human now. I'm not an 18-year-old whose grandmother just died. You know? No, but I'm thinking, but you started a kind of, a, you, that was where your sensitivity started. Right. So I assume it has evolved into something else. But you're saying that, like, this is a problem you have with Quentin Tarantino. And I'm just like, what is, what do you see him doing that you're, that, that turns you off to him? He's... I think he has evolved a little bit, but for the most part, I've kind of just seen him as like a, just like a, a teenage child, a teenage boy. Like everything he portrays is just like a teenage boy. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Which is fine. But I mean, it, his movies aren't At real. some point, it just annoys the piss out of me. I guess the thing is that like, if you, you think about him, I mean, I, I, my, my parent, I'm actually a big Tarantino fan. And uh, I think that he he's a he's a real I feel like he's a real filmmaker because he doesn't really he he it's kind of like 30 Rock. This is a weird comparison, but like 30 Rock is unlike most comedies on television because everyone that writes on it and performs on it. Most of the people came from a sketch comedy background Mm. there. It's like Second City people who sketch comedy exists in this hyper reality. Right. And 30 Rock exists in that reality. Right. Which is why some people find are off put by it, mm-hmm. but that's why some people love it. Right. So it's like 30 Rock exists in it's basically a 30 minute sketch. And that's what and that's exactly what you know, I've come my the synthesis has come to be in my head about Quentin Tarantino. And I also my roommate Adam also mentioned this last night actually that those exact words that Tarantino is a hyper reality. Yeah. Every movie is a hyper. The rules, the rules of, of reality are different in every single movie. Right. Right. But he, he, I think that it, it speaks to a bigger thing of him. It's kind of a comment sometimes I think on how people deal with certain things mm-hmm. also 
and in particular, men death in particular, that he, it's sort of like, well, uh, I, you know, like people get turned off from Mad Men because they're like, oh, it glorifies sexism and racism. It's like, well, it's actually, I don't know that it does. The comment, in a sort of a way, on the era, is that it was a sexist and racist time. Mm-hmm. So these people are just acting as they would have if it was still the 60s. Do you know what actually glorifies racism and to some degree sexism? Uh-oh. Is movies like The Help, where, oh, where they go back... Controversial. They go back and they redefine what people were like at that time. And mm-hmm. they whitewash it. And and Isn't the book written by a white woman? I don't know. I really don't know that much about it. I, I mean, my my resistance to that movie is that it it's written by a white person and directed by a white person, and that's that's what I was like. Meh. Well, just it's a lot of movies where you know, I can't think of. I can't. Think well, there's of no right subtlety now, to it. In and there's this kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh, people back then really were a PC like they are now. No, they weren't. Nobody oh, was. No, of course not. Nobody. Like Mad Men is good because. It it shows a nuance and it shows different perspectives and it shows the nuance of how different people felt, different people in different strata felt, but it doesn't try to gloss over how, like the heroes are sexist and racist, racist and misogynist, yeah, and just shitty people, yeah, <laughs> like was the time, right? I remember some scene where they were like having a picnic, and then I remember John Hamm standing up and just throwing. They'd left all the trash. Yeah, yeah. He stands up and he like crushes his beer can and just throws it. I'm like, why don't they? Oh, right. That wasn't a thing. Right. Nobody cared about litter. Right. They just left stiff shit there. That's actually authentic. It's authentic. It's not it's glorifying a, it's anything. It's authenticism. Yeah. And if, if, you, if you watch that show and you're like, I want to be exactly like Don Draper, then you're just a fucking idiot. But that's the problem. Yeah. That's, that becomes the problem is that people... Can I bring it back then? Bring it to back. To Tarantino? Bring it back. What if that's what people look at with Tarantino and like young boys You're and right, then though. that's what they that's what they think. Well, there's a little bit of a trade and I think in a way because it's like he does make something that it appeals to prurient 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 isn't it prurient p u r i e n p r u r prurient is there an R in I'm gonna there? I'm going to look it up right now. Look it up. Looking that shit up. I think it's period. Looking that shit up. Looking that shit up. Looking that shit up. I said that I'm looking that shit up. Looking that shit up. Looking that shit up. Motherfucker looking that shit up. I can't quite get the melody. That's all right. P-R-U-R. Prurient. Prurient. Yeah. P-R-U-R-I-E-N-T. Look at there. Well, looky there. Here, wait, listen. I think my phone's on mute. God damn it. <laughs> Ruining my bit. Let's see if it works if I do. Oops. Oh, I just, just lost it. Prurient. I want to hear him. Prurient. Say it again. Prurient. 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 Try one more time. Prurient. Is that, is that getting picked up? <laughs> what a dumb thing to do. Anyway, I, I think he, he writes things that uh, appeal to prurient interests, if you will. I guess <laughs> most of the time it, it's just like base sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like... You could say about Tyler Perry in a way where it's like he, he puts a little bit of Jesus in all of his movies, which he does. 
essentially they're black family dramas. Right. Dramedies. But he puts a little bit of Jesus and it's like, well, is he want us to come for the black family drama and leave with a little piece of Jesus? Or does he want us to come for the Jesus and leave a little piece of drama? Mm-hmm. Because I think that Tarantino, he makes things that appeal to guys generally. But if you like explosions and stuff, but there's still a a, a, a depth, right. I think, to a lot of his films that it's more it's it, it, you can't, it just happens. Like you're like, oh, things are going to explode. But then there's like something else that you see that you still live with those themes like like uh, Inglourious Bastards, I think, is my favorite movie of his. I haven't seen that. It's his last couple of movies. I was kind of done with him because I'm like, he's only making tributes, mm-hmm. you know, like homages. But in Glorious Bastards, I felt was a kind of a total, a totality of what he had been doing. Mm-hmm. And that he made a movie about war in which he, he flips. Like it's like the, the Nazis become the hunted mm-hmm. and the Jews become the hunters. Mm-hmm. But it's still people are getting killed. God, I need to see that. You do need to see it. Munich's like one of my favorites. Really? Yeah. I haven't seen that. I'm scared. That is straight up Jews hunting. Yeah, but that's different because that's actually on a... That's real. That's, yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I, you know... Well, it's real quotes. I mean, but it's it's, it's real in, in things that are... Because it's like... Who directed Look, that? Was that Spielberg? Yeah. Look, it's Daniel Craig as a Jew killing people. I don't know what else you want. <laughs> I don't know what else you want. Okay, all right. A blonde, like, could not look less jewish but he is apparently playing a jew all right okay all right all right anyway let's get back to the thing so okay. you're, you're but, we, but we both make the point that sometimes people they romanticize those specific parts and that's all they leave with right they don't see the the depth right of what so but that, i think that's the danger of letting kids who are too young you know ingest too much of that because they don't have the depth Ooh, to see this it. goes back to a yeah a past podcast yeah they don't have the depth to see it uh, and that's not for me to judge. That's for their parents to judge. But <laughs> but you're judging. You're still judging. I wouldn't do it, but that's just like anything. Probably, you know, this goes back to the cussing thing. My parents let me cuss. I turn out pretty good. <laughs> so you think? Yeah. I don't know if I, you know, but anyways. Anyways. I have a book that's called Exit Strategy, and it's about ways other than being, uh, Old? No. Uh, it's about how you're going to be buried when you die. Oh, really? Yeah. And your options that don't involve being embalmed and put in a casket. Because that industry is, you know, so ridiculous. Yeah, okay. So it's basically like, because it, it is expensive. Mm-hmm. There was some fight that happened in my family because my stepfather's mother sent some woman who worked at I want to say a cremation factory. Crematorium? A crematorium. But um, it was because he's... Cremation factory. A cremation factory. Yeah, a cremation factory. Ah, it's where we cremate all the corpses. <laughs> so many corpses cremated every day. Right hit on the line. Thank you, Henry Ford. And you got to make sure to wear these masks. You don't want to breathe in the remains. <laughs> um, ah, the remains of the day. Um, yeah, and it started some weird fight because it was like... It, 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 she sees it as I'm financially setting this up for you when you die mm-hmm. but to everyone else it was like her saying you're gonna die it's not gonna ha- you know you're not gonna get better so mm-hmm. we might as well get prepared for it right but it is a financial burden mm-hmm. to bury somebody and to uh, you've already read the whole thing or i read parts of it i read because i was intrigued about 
you know, green deaths. What is that? That's where you your body is put in like a recyclable or a decomposable. What's your lower lips trembling? This yeah, is, I'm trembling while I'm, I'm in I'm in horror. Uh, you know, you're not embalmed. Your dead body is put in some sort of, you know, decomposable, biodegradable bag or cloth or something. Mm-hmm. And it's a legal way that you can bury, you can be buried that way. Because mm. usually that's illegal. You can't just dump, bury a body in the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this way it decomposes. Yeah, and- there, there are like areas of, you know, of state parks or whatever that are set up or some other places where you can do this. Hmm. Presumably it can't be anywhere around like where you draw water out or where people are, where there's a landfill or something. I'm sure there are all, all sorts of weird hmm. legal things. I used to think I wanted to be cremated, yeah. but now I don't know anymore. You probably won't know for a really long time. Uh, I'll put it in writing what I want and yeah, that will happen. <laughs> All I want is, I guess, I don't want to die before I am okay with it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because, obviously, premature death is always a possibility. But it's like, I would like to figure out how I feel about death. Or just, I would like to be okay with with not being afraid to die before I die. I feel like I'm there. You're there? I'm, I thought I was there, but once, every now and then, I do, I do think about it. I... I Will I uh, will sit in my bed and imagine nothing, like mm-hmm. imagine the life leaving me, mm-hmm. and imagine like but just my body's just shutting down, like having no more breath. The basic- you'll always have that though. That's your that's your primal fear coming in. That's the that's the life inside of you that wants to keep going. Yeah, I know, and I I keep thinking about it. I don't think it makes it better. <laughs> well, I don't think I, I think even or I imagine it, but I'm like, ooh, I don't like that. But like, I, I think I'll get to a point. I hope where you know, I know that's going to happen, and I'm fine with it because I've I've lived mm-hmm. what I've done, what it is I wanted to do, and left something or whatever the fuck it is people want to do. But I have figured you know out like, and it doesn't mean I have to be like I, I'll probably not want to die, obviously, but I'll be okay with it. Mm-hmm. I want to be okay with dying before I die. Right now, I'm not okay with it. Because you feel like you have more to do? I do, but I still... I know that I have more to do, but I don't think I'll ever not feel that way. I mean, I'm, I'm, I could be okay with dying next year, mm-hmm. depending on all sorts of shit. Shit, you've been on TV. Yeah. I've so many times. <laughs> um, but it's just about, like... I, I think it's a, okay with... Maybe it's an okayness with oneself. Mm-hmm. That you don't have? That I don't... I, I have every now and then. I, it's, it's becoming more evasive. Mm-hmm. For me, for some reason. I used to be very okay with myself, and, and I'm not as much anymore. I'm like the reverse therapist. I'm the reverse. I was good, and now I'm getting bad. Since you moved here, maybe? Maybe. Is there a correlation? Perhaps. Mm-hmm. We'll have to save that for a different time. Here on Deep Shit. From Daniel Day-Lewis to Quentin Tarantino and back, I hope this conversation about death rattled you. In your Cossacks or Coxix, whatever the hell is the correct pronunciation. We do know what the correct pronunciation of prurient is, so take that to the grave. Get it? Anyway, the next episode is going to be DC Pearson, comedian, author. You might know him from his book, The Boy Who Couldn't Sleep and Never Had To. You might know him from his comedy video stylings, such as the comedy group Derek, 
that he's in with Dominic Durkis and Donald Glover, also known as Childish Gambino, which is a rap name and a music video that I'm in that people still can't believe, especially my 16-year-old little sister. Anyway, um, again, leave some reviews, leave some comments, write me on, write me on Facebook, write me on Twitter, you know, let me know what kind of thing you want to hear about, what kinds of things you want to hear about, and, um, you know, if you have questions and comments for people, I can tell them to those people on the podcast, or address them in this intro or outro, um, that I'll have on each podcast. I am bored of what I'm saying right now, so I'm going to end it, and now for some meditative electronica.